This is Daniel Burnett with TrainLikeARanger.com. Today I have Tom back on the podcast. How you doing, Tom? Hello. It's good to see you, sir. I, we uh, we've been talking before this podcast. I, I love having you on. Always, uh, we always have good conversations. So we've been talking for a while. So we got a lot to dive into. So uh, how are you doing? I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, I'm really grateful that you read and enjoyed Cal Dietz and Ben Peterson's Triphasic Training. Great book. Okay. And I think the uh, the things that we discussed today, anybody that's training uh, for military prep, basic training, soft prep, and anybody just getting into training, I think, um, you know, just talking about this gives good perspective on how to approach, uh, you know, programming. Yeah. So. It was a big eye opener. There's a lot of concepts in that book that I was like, man, uh, there was a lot of confirmation for me. There were a lot of things I said, okay, this is why I've been doing it this way. And then there's new concepts. I was like, man, this is going to be really helpful going forward. So thank you very much. I, I love the book. It's awesome. Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and thank Jim Ferris. Um, I did the uh, Jim Ferris internship in 2016 after uh, I sold two of my uh, previous gyms. And, the, you know, he always gives out excellent uh, reading lists. And this is this is on there. And there's a couple other amazing anatomy trains was amazing. That was hard to read, but this one in regards to programming and approaches to training, it just lets you know, I mean, so thanks Jim for that. I wouldn't have been able to recommend it to you and other people if it wasn't recommended today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> so, and, uh, I got a list of uh, topics to go over. So, you know, I, I kind of want to uh, go into the initial topics and talk about you a little bit. Uh, we did this a little bit in the first podcast, but really just kind of want to dive more into uh, more into you and, and you in the fitness industry and what got you started. So, you know, that being said, I want to give you the stage and, and ask you what what got you into the fitness industry and uh, how long have you been in it? OK, so um, uh, I was born in 1984, 1993. I'm eight years old. Uh, third grade. Uh, I grew up in Delaware County, uh, Pennsylvania. My dad signs me up for football. Okay. And the first day of football, you know, it was peewee football. They said, Hey, it was weight. It, it's weight football. Your son's eight pounds over. So traditional Italian American, uh, mom and dad, Hey, you're fat. You're eating too much. It's your fault. I'm just eating what you're telling me. Got to lose eight pounds. I am the original slim fast kid. I drank two Slim Fast, the chalky ones in 1993, twice a day. And then I got a bowl of pasta and meatballs and a small piece of garlic bread with Diet Pepsi. That's 1993 dieting right there for football. And then my dad, uh, he took me to my Uncle Larry's uh, trucking company up in New York, North Jersey. And they're like, look, you're going to work with the uh, warehouse guys until you shed off some weight. So that's the start of fitness. And then um, – yeah, from there, you know, I had to I had to do I had to teach myself how to do push-ups uh, two years later to make an A team for football, and then in junior high I lied about my age at the YMCA so I can uh, get a membership there, and then I lied about my age to get a job there so I could train for free. You know, in seventh grade I had three gym memberships because I just liked the gym scene. I liked being there. Um, my nickname has always been a gym. Like, oh, you're he's at the gym. He's a gym rat. Where are you going to the gym? And yeah. And then in the army, I just, I know that was the therapy. That was what you had to do. I mean, it was 2003. So training for war, you know, it was totally different 
mindset. And then when I got out, um, you know, I started training people in a park and grew the fitness community into what it is now, nine years later and owned a bunch and opened a bunch of facilities and still got the current one going on now with the powerhouse and, you know, the big group that we're rocking out. So, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. I would say that I, uh, I was too fat for third grade football. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, I was telling you earlier, you're a badass. I mean, I know COVID's been rough for a lot of people and you've just been right. taking the punches and, and you keep going. So, uh, it's awesome. You're so Tom's a gym owner. Um, and, uh, and you guys are still going strong. So yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, getting back to work slowly and picking up. So we made, we had to close one day. We had two gyms and we had to close one down halfway through COVID. Um, so we consolidate it and you know, we're, you know, we're, I'm very grateful. The, the people that we train, they're amazing. They have the best attitudes. And then our team that we train people with, I mean, it really does feel like a family. So it, it's cool. It's, it's, it's all a great experience. Like all these things that are happening, they're all good experiences to go through with this group of people. So yeah. it's all worth it. So awesome. That's so awesome. It's so awesome to have uh, that kind of community. And and I think, I think you being you builds that positive community. Cause like, uh, I want to be around you too. I'm like, man, this guy's awesome. So. Well, you know, it's like you think about the old job and then you think about this and you're like, Hey, yeah, yeah. come on. We're doing PT like this. Right. Yeah. Let's do it. Right. Who cares if it's Tuesday at, you know, 8 a.m. Let's go. Right. Think about it. That's all we ever wanted to be. If you're in the army and you had some training or deployment, you're like, when are we putting on PTs and we can go to the gym? I don't right. know. I've <laughs> never not said that. Right. So when you're Good getting point. on, you're like, what do, we, what do you want to do? What do you really want to do? I want to put on PTs and go to the gym. Okay. Let's keep that going. I feel like all regiment guys are just like, like, like that. Like, I, I grew up kind of like that. Like, it's funny you were talking about the YMCA and stuff. Like the worst thing that could happen to me when I was growing up is if I, if I couldn't go to the YMCA, like when I got grounded, it wasn't about being grounded. Couldn't see my friends. I was like, man, I can't go work out. And then like regiment was, uh, I was always like that in regiment, always working out, always into the fitness stuff. So that's so. Well, one, to me, I think people in the gym, like movement itself, articulate movement is beautiful in itself. Uh, the diverse crowd in the gym, you know, it, it's even playing field. You could have rich and poor people in there. You could have ugly, good-looking people in there. And then you have, you know, like fat, thin, strong, weak. But it's an even playing ground, really, it is, as far as like, you know when someone's putting out and someone's not. Right. You know? So, and I was, I don't know, I, I like I, when there was a party, I was, I was always going to be late to the party. I, I had my priority set. It was like, I'm going to go train first, then when it's time – I'll go relax and have fun. But we understand that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's, plus, it's the only thing when you train, it's like you're in control of it. Right. You know? that's, that's what I did like about uh, when I got into personal training. Because I, I don't know if I told you the last time uh, that I did like mattress sales and it was miserable for me. I was oh. like, man, this sucks. But yeah. getting in front of a crowd and like doing the training, it was almost like I had that team leader aspect back the part that i liked you know not in a negative way but just like leading people i really like that and do you feel that way do you feel like kind of gives you that back i think it feels really good when you can see somebody doing something and you can make them realize you say hey i thought about you 
and I thought about you doing this. And then they say, well, I can never do that. I'm like, yo, I really think you can. And I think you might really enjoy it. You might make you feel good. And it might make you think you can do other things that you thought you couldn't do. And when you get to experience those things with people, I don't think there's really words to describe it. It's literally thinking about someone on your own personal time. And when you do that and you let somebody know, I think that's so endearing that it, it, it good luck trying to not, you know, right. it's like telling a joke. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to, you're, you're going to get them. You're going to make it through as a private. You're going to go through ranger school. You're going to come back. And you're going to do more work. You're going to, you're going to do it all. Right. You can. Yes, you can. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny on, on that note, you know, it's always funny when people are like, you go to ranger school and the pain goes away, you know, talking about bat. I'm like, yeah, hey, you get more, you got more to do after you get back, you know, more responsibility. There's always, there's always more to do. You know? Look, here's my opinion. You gotta, you gotta deploy. You gotta go through a training cycle. You gotta deploy. If you don't do that, I would say you didn't get the full Monty of the stress. Yeah. And then when you do it over and over and over, like some of these guys have and do, Watch out. Yep. Maybe, maybe, that's a lot. There's some monsters out there. That's drinking kerosene through a fire hose. Yeah. We were kind of talking about the fitness industry and we were talking about pros and cons. So what is your pros and cons of the fitness industry? Um, so fitness industry is very interesting because it's very new still. It's still a baby in regards to other industries, right? So from there, there's a lot of interpretation, unregulation, uh, absolutely no standards. There is no clear path to say, you know, this is good or bad. There's just a bunch. You could justify anything. You can unjustify anything. Yeah. I don't think there's any leadership. There's zero leadership because if there was if there was leadership, there'd be regulations. You can't stop anybody from training someone ever. There's no training police. You can't take someone to court because they trained someone. Right. So all the certifications are bullshit. Yeah. They're all bullshit. I'm not saying if you spend time with people and talk about experiences, you won't gain value. But as far as like paying for a piece of paper, because the only people that are going to look at that piece of paper are the people who made the piece of paper and that already know about it. Right. And that's not the people you really train anyway. Yeah. So... I don't know, man. The fitness industry is weak. It's very weak. Um, it's very deceptive. There's a lot of sales and marketing in it. Well, bullshit. Um, you're outnumbered 22 to one. So that means if you walk by 22 people in America, a half a person works out consistently two to three times a week. That doesn't mean going to the gym. It just trains in some manner consistently. So you're outnumbered. It's weak. It's tough. Um, which makes it fun, which makes it more like regiment and what we kind of thrive off of anyway. And the small percentage community of people that do do it, probably most likely what I found in my experience are the type of people that you want to be around. Yeah. You know, uh, it's very emotional industry. Yeah. You can't train without emotions. Yeah. It, to double down on that, you know, it's uh I agree with you that there's, there's people who can get these certifications that aren't very qualified. And then, you know, so you gotta, you gotta really, uh, that's not anybody's fault. 
No, it's just like you said. There's no regulations, so some of these certifications are pretty but easy. There's bunch, but there's a bunch of assholes that are just be dicks. It's like, yeah, go show. If you don't think this person's training someone the right way, then go show them how. And don't just be a dick showing them how. Be nice, show them how. Help everybody. But you know what happens? People talk shit with their trainer friends instead of actually just be be fucking nice. That goes with anything, right? Like that's a, that's a good philosophy for society for the military for that matter instead of just beating on a dude like go go help him out go lift him up be fucking away. be fucking nice doesn't mean don't fucking focus and train hard right that's not what the fuck it means right if we're gonna look you know how fucking nice i am i'm really fucking nice right right and i'm not gonna i'll never do anything to torture someone in a workout especially but at the same time you may not understand simple, basic standards, which are very stressful for you, which seems me being very demanding. It's not. Right. It's just we're outnumbered in a very weak context. Right. Industry. Yep. Yeah, I think that goes with leadership, like learning how to learning how to lift people up. and But also, you know, you got to have a strong side. Like you got to have a strong side and there's a time to be uh, crack down on people and then there's a time to lift people up. I think that's like a double edged sword in, in leadership. For sure. And I think like if you're the leader nine out of 10 times, you, 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 you're going to, you're going to show somebody by example. You don't have to have a conversation with them. Right. How they conduct themselves and how they operate or you know, you're like, God damn, I don't like, oh, I want to be like that. Yeah. it's a good point. Yeah. When I see someone really squared away that I want to be like, I don't need to have conversations. I'm just trying to do everything they're trying to do. And I know that if I somewhat go in a, be around a better context, better direction, a better type of person, it's always, it's always better. Yeah. So yes. that's an easy system, formula, principle. Right. Yep. And, and, and do you think like, do you think, oh, here's my thing with the fitness industry, like personally, I think there's a lot of uh, bad info out there. And I think a lot of people just don't know what they need. So there's a lot of people out there that just don't really know. Um, like things that I think everybody knows. I, I got to remind myself, like not everybody knows this. Not everybody knows like what's healthy to eat. Not everybody knows, you know, what what they should be doing at the gym. And so kind of breaking that down and, and going, okay, there's a lot of people who don't know this stuff. And then there's a lot of misinformation, like bad information out there. I'm using that term right now because that's like uh, I almost said misinformation, but that's everywhere in the news. I hate using that term. Uh, bad I, information. There, yeah, I agree. There's there's bad, but I don't even think I think we make it bad. We make it bad information. I don't think there's bad info, right? I just think we make it bad by by not knowing how to properly <laughs> utilize it, when to properly utilize it. They do, you know, and it's like, it's, it, it, it's like this, like when someone's going to say, Hey, I, I want to get more active. I want to start working out. I want to start training. You can lead them in so many paths. That's true. So to clarify, I'm talking about the guy saying you can eat ice cream and have abs like me. And he has like a 10 pack and I'm like, okay, that's not good advice. That's bad information. Uh, as far as, you know, as far as, uh, there's a bunch of different ways, as long as you guys are getting out there, getting active and, following some yeah. sort of a 
calorie control and, you know, diet control, you're walking in the right direction. I'm not knocking that. I'm, th- I'm knocking the guy straight up saying, eat ice cream, have abs like me, take this dietary pill and you can secret pill so I can make money. Yeah, I agree. There is a bunch of misinformation and that's what I meant. Like there's a lot of marketing and scales, sales. You can scare people in, in this industry to make them think they need something. Right. So I think that's what it's set up for. So I was curious on your takes on that. And, and, and so, uh, what is, um, it's kind of an open-ended question, but what's, what's been your biggest lessons and takeaways from the fitness industry? Um, I think the biggest lessons and takeaways is like, at first I was paranoid to operate and to do things the way that I wanted to and the way I thought I should have. But I thought it was like regiment where there's like some regulation of like overlooking that I would get in trouble if I made a mistake. You know, and so I think that deterred me from my a little bit earlier trial and error of implementation of things I wanted to do. Um, so I like that. just me not trusting myself and saying like, hey, I want to try this out and I think it'll be good. May not. So earlier on, if that makes sense, like in yeah. the industry, I think you just always got to have a clear vision. Talk about it with your plan with people that you trust, you know, unbiasedly and then go. But whenever that deterrence is there somehow and you think like, Oh, I'm not going to do this because this won't look good because someone else is looking. It's like, I love that you said that. Yeah. Cause uh, that's what I cover in all my videos. And like basically the big lesson that I've had to learn is, you know, learn to learn to be okay with uh, trial and error. You know, you're going to make some mistakes if you're trying to get good at something. If you're training people for the first time, you're going to, you're going to make, make mistakes. I've made mistakes, you know, repetition it's, is, uh, you know, just keep fine tuning. Yeah. Yeah. Run the, run, put, 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 put everything back in the Bunsen burner again, turn the heat up and do it again. Same right. thing. Keep running the experiments. That That's what makes it scientific. You right. don't talk about though. I don't think it's scientific. You don't talk about it. And right. too many people are, just reading out of a book when they're having conversations about the experiences. Yeah. They, we, like there's gotta be like, Oh yeah, we did a great program. And then this happened and it was went to this. So now we're here. This is healthy now. Yeah. What we thought was healthy before and what we wanted. Right. You know, talking to, talking to experts on, on this podcast, like, <clears throat> you know, I got you, I got Z y'all are, like, he's a, uh, he's in the shooting industry. You're in the, uh, in the fighting industry. You're in the, uh, you're in the exercise fitness industry. You know, everybody kind of comes to the same conclusion of, you know, you got to put it, put yourself out there and make mistakes to get better. Like you can't just prep, like you can't sit at home and prep as much as you can and show up and be an expert. You're still going to mess up. Like you got to put yourself out there and mess up. And I, I someone said like the black rifle coffee guys, they, there was a time where they weren't coffee guys and they had to make themselves coffee guys. Right. You know, and they just use the same things, maybe similar, not same, but like you know, now they are coffee guys. And, now no, no, there's no coffee guy that can tell them they're not coffee guys. Right. You know, their way. You know? Yeah. It's like, so just trust and make mistakes and be like, yeah, I tried this out. Yep. Yeah. It's so interesting that everybody kind of comes to that. Everybody in, in these uh, experts in their industry, they always come through these same lessons and it's kind of cool to hear you guys say it in different ways. Yeah. So that's super cool. I like the last podcast, the survival guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was cool. He's great. Yeah. Uh, so 
Man, yeah, this podcasting thing's been pretty cool. Like I when I first announced it, I think people were like, okay, this guy's doing podcasts. And then all of a sudden, like you said, now I'm the podcast guy. It's a good podcast. People are here. So oh, great. It's yeah. excellent. Quality, quality experience content. I think it's the best. I think it's the future of education. Yeah. Yeah. It should be more live ones, like live events. Yeah. Too easy, dude, to group people up for quality content where you don't have to spend loans on going to college for yeah and it gives guys like you a platform i mean like you get to share your ideas with people who are really need to hear these things you know like the wealth of knowledge that that comes from somebody like you and and people get to hear it so we're giving yeah, you the- and, and paying homage to the uh wheel creators yeah these guys really yeah they put it down yeah you know what i mean so i think that's all cool i think that all has a residual too Yep. You pay homage, usually, you know, usually somewhere later on down, someone's going to pay homage to you for, you know, your, your, your time put in of whatever you're doing. Right. So it's all good. Speaking of triphasic training, uh, let's get into the book because there's yeah. a lot of good topics to cover there. You can said residuals. Read, can we read the cover before we dive in? Absolutely. All right. I'd like to triphasic training written by Cal Dietz and Ben Peterson. It's a systematic approach to elite speed and explosive strength performance. Yep. They got some good ideas on that, some eye-opening ideas. And one of those things, like you said, residuals and, and stress. So let's go over let's go over stress first, because it's like one of the first things that come into the book. So let's talk about what stress means to you. Okay. Um, so one of the first things that they put in the book in the very beginning is the gas syndrome, general adaptation syndrome. You put stress on something, the human system and body, uh, it's going to figure it out. It's going to adapt to it so it's not as stressful the next time it gets put under that context. Yeah. That's what, that's what it is. It's a reaction to a stimulus. Yeah. I put out one post on overtraining and everybody said, am I overtraining? Am I overtraining? And I was like, you're not. You're not training hard enough. All I was saying was don't do legs every single day. But what that book said was key, like absolutely smoke yourself, smoke the crap out of yourself, stress your body out. And then that's how you're going to adapt. That's how you grow. Yeah. Bust through the seams, man. Like it's weird, but you know, you got to feel something different and then change your reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 out of all the things we talk about, that's probably like the most impactful thing that'll get passed by, right? Yeah. Feel something different and then change your reaction. This hurts? No. This feels good growing. It goes right back to what we were saying earlier, putting yourself out there, making the adaptations, just like your body. You know, you're going to put yourself under that stress. Maybe your body doesn't handle it right the first time, but it will. You keep putting it under that stress, your body's going to adapt. I don't care. Gonna be- yeah, I don't care who you are. You're going you're gonna to adapt to the context you're put under over time. Yes. You go underwater plenty of times, you'll death, you're gonna drown. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I went there. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. You know, it goes back to military prep, like you said. You just gotta put your put yourself on, put the boots on, keep keep doing whatever you're doing. It goes with anything in life, really. But I know a lot of people here are military prep, so you know, that's you put the boots on, you keep showing up and keep I, adapting. I love I out of all the things I've ever done in my life prepping for the military and then prepping for war and then, you know, prepping for like, you know, school. It's like, 
I had fun. I every everything I did for because it, it was a lot of purpose involved. Yeah, you know, you don't want to disappoint the team, right? You know, so it's cool. Yeah, a lot of growth. Stressful, but good. Stressful as hell. Yeah, but yeah, it was good. Overall growth, stressing, stressing the mind, stressing the body. It's all the same. Good and bad, just good and bad. Yep. So, um, that's a you know not much on there. I guess you got a uh, Dr. Hans Saley in the 1950s. You know he's the grandfather of stress. Um, German guy. So I don't know. He came up with that gas syndrome. I think that's the first thing you got to realize if you're going to apply man-made stress in regards to training to, uh, you know, to people. Right. One of the notes I like that they hit is, you know, how the Bulgarians beat the Soviets. I think it was in the Olympics in the early 1970s because they, it was like looking at the uh, Bulgarians training routine and it was ridiculous how many times they were training a day. Like when the, when the, uh, I think the Russians got their hands on the Soviets uh, workouts, can't remember the backstory exactly, but they got their hands on these workouts and, uh, and they were really shocked by how many times the Bulgarians were working out every day for powerlifting. As powerlifting. Volume, yeah. Volume was insane. And was it powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting? It was one of the two. It was one of the two. I know it was a weightlifting of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean the, uh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, it's like, well, one team was more stressed out. Yeah. Had more stress volume. Exactly. You know, that's like saying that someone dropped a car on you and someone dropped a tank on you. Right. You just have more chances of more force from the tank. Yeah. Yeah, you sure do. Especially if it's getting dropped up that high. Right. In regards to how long the day is. Yep. You know? Now, you do got to allow time for recovery. So you guys listening here are like, okay, now I'm going to work out all the time and don't get any breaks. Make sure you allow the time to recover. But you want to put your body under that stress first. That's how anything works. Uh, you know, I always give this, uh, I'll, I'll get on my high horse real quick and my pedestal, whatever, talk, talk a little bit, but, uh, you know, I always talk about the, the analogy of you take a Muay Thai fighter, have him kick a bamboo tree and he can kick it in half, right? He's put his body under that stress. He's kicked a lot of things. You take a couch potato, you tell him to kick a tree. His, his shin is going to snap in half and look like yeah. an accordion because he hasn't calcified his muscles or he calcified his bones, excuse me. And, and built his muscles to handle that kind of stress. You know, the, the uh, pretty much everything, your skin, your, your fascia, yeah. you know, all that stuff, all that stuff gets toughened through stress. Your mind, you know, your body, your soul, whatever. It, stress oh. adapts every aspect of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good that this was the start of it. Like yeah. saying, hey, this is going to be stressful. It doesn't have to be bad. Not the right. way that you may have experienced it in the past. Right. It's like good fear. Sometimes it's good to be scared because it gets you, you know, doing your best. Right. Accountability. Yeah. yeah. So in a, in a nutshell, in the beginning of this book for Trifacing, stress is a you know integrity and accountability. Yeah. Starts it right there. You know. Right. I liked it. And and you know one of the things they talk about going into stress, they talk about the five factors for success in your training and really for life for that matter. But, um, you know, whatever skill you want to, you can translate this somehow, but, you know, in, in training in particular, they talk about high volume, which is how much weight you lift in a workout, high intensity, the percentage of your max, uh, 
high frequency, the number of training sessions a week. That was something that the Bulgarians did a lot was their training uh, frequency was insane. Like I, I didn't even know like you could you could work somebody out that many times in a day, but I guess it's the Olympics. So it's unreal. Uh, it's unreal. unreal. I was like, damn, you, had, like six training sessions a day. I think it was, it was insane. Yeah, dude. Frequency is. Yeah. They were high on the frequency. Um, and then high expectations, you know, the expectations you have of somebody, the athlete and the person, um, are they going to fail reps, uh, miss exercises? That's unacceptable, right. For, um, for success. And then overreaching, you want to push people, but not overtrain. So going back to overtraining, you know, you want to stress and then allow for that adaptation to take place, allow your body to recover, build itself stronger, and then put it under more stress. And it's just, that's the cycle you're going over. And that kind of goes into the residuals. So you're putting yourself under the stress and then you're adapting, you know, and you're allowing for some things. And before I get into residuals, I wanted to talk about, you know, kind of the block system and how you block up training and, and I want to pick your brain on this. What is yeah. your idea of blocking off training, why that's important, and then going into residuals and then kind of how you would base a program to block your training and still allow for maximum residuals? And I'm on page 60. I like how uh, actually 62, okay. he, details, uh, he details his idea of like a block system, talking yeah. about accumulation to realization yeah. and, and those residuals. Well, I, I love it. I love um, these terms in regards to, you know, blocking it up for accumulation, transmutation, realization, you know, and here, as far as like blocks go, I was first exposed to blocks, you know, when I was in regiment, I was like, wait, how are you guys getting all this done? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, saying, all right, today's force production, today's power. Um, today's aerobic, today's anaerobic, you know, I think if you treat training like that, then it's, it, it's easier to funnel of what that individual needs to move forward and progress to be better and more optimal, right? As opposed to, let's say, let's say, you know, you do power and then you do force and it's a mixed modality training right? But you're unaware of blocking it up that way that, you know, one's going to have a better opportunity to progress than the other. And the other, you're, you're moving, but it, it it's just moving it to keep it where it's at, which is good. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, like, it's like a maintenance phase. Right. Which is good. That's, it's, it's healthy. You're, you're sustainable because you're not losing you know, the, 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 the better things that, you know, things that you got better at. So as far as like the blocks though, I like the blocks cause it's organized. It's like a check system. You know, no program is ever going to be carried out perfectly. So when you block things up and you can check them off, you can look at your day, your week, your month and, and, and just get a better funnel picture of land. Like, okay, I'm like this because these are all the things that got checked off. I'm like this because I checked all these things off. It makes sense, you know, as long as the integrity is there of like what you missed. Yeah. I like, I like how, uh, and this is kind of talking more about competition prep, you know, here in this book, but you know, they talk about they have a phase of accumulation and uh, 
And you were talking about that in the first podcast and, and it made sense to me about reading this book. It makes so much more sense what you were saying. So you got it, that it crazy, like talking about it and implementing it, but not knowing the actual terminology. And that's what I mean. Like our industry is unregulated. It's like, right. this should be common verbiage here. It should be like math, like talking math and science, but it's not right. Why can't we get like that? Yeah. I think it's because yeah, you've got so like, many different agent, uh, what do you call it? Um, associations and things handing out certificates. There's no, there's no, again, regulated um, path for, yeah. I think it would make things a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. I, I, who knows if it will ever progress to that, yeah. you know, but. Some universal understanding, but yeah, we'll see. That's, you know, I, uh, okay. go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> I'm doing my thing. We were talking about this before. We we uh, I wanted to give you the stage. I ramble, so I, I gotta. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm really excited. I'm just glad we're talking about it. I like. I really enjoy these conversations, especially with this book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I liked it. And and what was cool about it was they go over, you know, the the times like you have residuals, right? Talk about residuals. Well, in blog systems, you take certain focuses, and you're like, okay, we're gonna train strength we're going to train then we're going to go into the next block which is going to focus on power you know before that maybe before those two maybe it was hypertrophy you know you're blocking things off and then they're talking about uh, or maybe endurance maybe you got endurance focus and then they're talking about the residuals from each one okay yeah. you focus on strength so this is how long before you start feeling a decrease in your max and that was kind of a cool aspect of the book was they give a timeline for averages for how long it takes to start decreasing and then they go into the next phase so you can block systems off and not lose a lot in any of those categories but you get to focus on each one. Oh, it's beautiful and let me tell you all right this is this is this is factual data right here i ran a two-year linear linear uh program prepping to go to rip it wasn't two years it was only seven months that's all it needed so seven months, linear accumulation on muscular strength and endurance, push-ups, chin-ups, sit-ups, flutter kicks, burpees, running. Like that was your, my main meat and potatoes. Like when I was going to train, I was knocking out those things, rucking and a two-mile, five-mile. Have a two-mile smoking, have a five-miler smoking, have a 12-miler smoking, and then double the 12-miler in case you get tortured with a ruck and, you know, you just got to just go. Um, but two years of accumulation, right? I did so much accumulation training that when I started basic strength training of uh, external load, so now it's not like relative strength body weight stuff, I had such an engine and a capacity to dial, and I wasn't ever going to lose those things. So when I started doing all the external load, all I did was just get better at the chin-ups, better at the push-ups, better at the running. But then I started getting strong and powerful again. Right. So I, I spent about – I didn't plan on it, but it was like two years of relative strength, body weight, muscular strength, and endurance. And I literally did this. Push-up, push-day. Then it was lower aerobic where I would run two to five miles. Yeah. Next day – upper pull day. So it's like chin up pull day. Then the next day it was lower strength. Then it would be back to upper push. Next day it would be lower power. 
back to upper pull the next day. Then I would go lower aerobic, long rock, long walk, active recovery, whatever I needed. Then there was always one day out of out of the seven where it was just nothing, just walk, stretch, you know, feel better for the next training session. But I found I've seen anybody that I'm biased, you know, but I've seen anybody that master the accumulation of that basic body weight relative strength foundation. Everything else is going to be easier, but when it's just a little bit, it just to me it makes a little bit more sense to do it in that order. Because usually when there's an external load, you don't have a full grip of relative tension in space, but you're used to it with something external. You're already in a compensation realm. Does that make sense? Yeah, you it know? does. I think it's, it's good. Like, it, like, let's say someone never does a push up. And all they ever do is dumbbell flat press. And they work up to 10 sets of 10 with hundreds. But then, first time they do a push-up, I think it's going to be harder to go back and understand those things because you really put some external things in the hardwired. Right. Plus, aerobic capacity isn't there as much. So, you know, your fill rate, your pump rate, you are not going to recover between your sets as much. For power output. Right. So this is understanding intensities and how to say, all right, this is this. Could it be this? How long does it take? Yeah, and they break that down on a scientific level. You know, uh, that's what guys at the, you know, these guys at the elite level, they're trying to train these super elite athletes. So they get real scientific with it. But I think if you just have the baseline of, you know, put yourself under stress, basic movements, like you said, you know, stick to those those basic fundamental movements, and you're going to see a lot of progress that way. Especially if you're new to this, you know, stick to that kind of stuff. And then if you're getting to the, if you're like an Olympic athlete, you're probably not listening to my podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you are, but you know, you're going to have a scientific way to get this down. There's always a way to kind of increase, inch it up. But I think sometimes, sometimes people read a little bit too much into this. I think this is great, by the way. But I think sometimes people read a little bit too much into this. Just get yourself out there, stress yourself. Of course, there's always a way to optimize it and, and be willing to look into that. But as long as you get out there, you're moving, you're doing something, you're on the right path initially. Physical competence brings mental preparedness. Yeah, exactly. I say that all the time. And then people are like, what's the deal with these uh, prep prep programs? You know, like some people out there, I don't know, not very many. I haven't run. I've run into it like once or twice. It's like, man, you train the body, you're training the mind. Do you know how many Mondays? Do you know how many Mondays at 4 a.m.? Like so many Mondays, that first set of push-ups was 100 unbroken. It's never going to leave. It's been accumulated so many times. Yeah. Never. Right. Do you know how many times the approach on an upper chin-up day, the first thing I'm going to do is a max set of chin-ups. 15 no matter what. I don't care if my drunk, hungover, no sleep, on fire, which covered in shit. Accumulation, man. Right. Just. Oh, you've been there. You've been there. You've done it, right? It feels great. You know why? Everybody should understand what this feels like and not let their reaction to these feelings. It feels great. It's so empowering. It's all communication systems and hardwiring. It's, it's completely electric. Debate me. Anybody debate me the human body movement, mental to physical, isn't electric. 
eat your ass. You don't know shit. Absolutely connected. What yeah. you eat, what you put in your body is going to affect your mood. It's going to affect your mindset, mindset, how you interact with people. It's absolutely yeah. connected. So and vice versa. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah. the and, 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 you know, and I think that's the most important thing with training is, is like, how do you, what, what, if you're training someone, you're programming for them, you're personally training for them, you do a group, whatever it is, you just talk to them. You know, I got some friends I just talk to like this. And so I'm like, I don't talk to them for like two months. I'm like, how's it going? You know, how do you drive somebody? What drives a person? Yeah. How do you get drive out of them? That's the best output. That's the best performance to me. Now, if you skip that step, I don't know. I don't think you're as good as a trainer as you could be, as good as yeah. a coach. You don't care about that. That's the mo- emotional component. Every That's the start of most, you know, you read most training books, they, they start there. It's exactly right. We started there. Right. We're always going to have to go back there. As soon as you do something stressful, you're going to think about it before and after way more than you ever did it. You yeah. squat 500 pounds once in your life, the amount of thought up here. So for a coach, like what makes that person ah, utmost potential? Right. So your brain's the powerhouse, sending the all the signals. You know, through the nervous system, sending hormones, you know, everything's, I mean, there's some hormones that don't start at the brain, but most do, right? Uh, Electric uh, signals, central nervous system, it's all connected to the brain. But even even the subconscious ones, there's still emotional components. Right. So it's going to come from a hard drive. Right. And the brain connects it. Yeah, it's going to get sent down to that nucleus. But, you know, going back to like how the mind and, and body are connected you know have you ever run into like you know people who maybe don't work out as much look at the trainers and go okay how are these guys how do they always have so much energy how are they always a beat why are they always positive it's because we work out that's what we do our, our body is uh fine-tuned we eat good we work out we're physically active and so it in turn has an effect on our mood that's why i'm a positive guy i really think that plays a big factor in why i'm a positive guy why i have energy and i see that in you too because it's what we focus on and the mind and body absolutely connected. Yeah. It's, I mean, as far as like, if you do any movement in regards to fitness, that is, that is a, a wiring system, right? It's a pathway. It's a sequence. And there's going to be emotional components in it. Every movement and each sequence that you do is different. Yeah. Um, it could be sitting down and standing up and, you know, all those things have, kind of like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what's a good description here, like a tragic flaw involved with it that you may be aware of or unaware of, you know? It's like uh, every time I go up to bat at baseball, you know, and I'm around nine people, I get nervous. But if I was batting alone, I don't feel the pressure of nine people. So the drive and the output's going to be different, the response to the stimulus. That's, that's here, yeah. It's just like, so... Uh, I don't know where we go. We're in a rabbit hole. Oh yeah, I think we tend to do that. You know, this is our second podcast. I noticed we do do that. Uh, it's good though. So we were in a rabbit hole right there. That might have been my fault. I know we're, you know, the, the, you know, we're on stress. We're on training approaches. Yeah. You were talking about accumulation. Yep. Right. Yeah, and then you know, going going into uh, you know back to the block system a little bit. You know, in the book, so the 
the focus of this book, Triphasic Training, looks at three different muscular actions, and and it's specific to sports performance. So what they talk about is how uh, standard training methods, like traditional training methods, they tend to focus overly focus on the concentric part of the muscle action. So for you guys who don't know, all right, let's take the biceps, right? This is I always like to use this one because it's it's pretty easy to understand. Yeah, great lever, for example. Yeah. Can use a squat to let me get it in frame. I'm trying to figure out where I am on camera. Why don't so, you back up and turn to your right? Like that. Oh now yeah. Back up more so I can see your whole arm. Perfect. Okay. And right. yeah, that looks great. So got the good view, good bicep view. All right, concentric is when this muscle shortens. So you'll see it, see it gets shorter. So yeah, yeah. So concentric means short. Shortening of the muscle. Right. And then you got isometric right here, right? And then you got eccentric, which under tension, the muscle is lengthening. So if I had like some sort of resistance, right? Like a, like a weight, that muscle is going to be lengthening under tension. And same goes with squat. You know, it's a little bit harder for people to understand like squat mechanics because you're looking at like, uh, you know, you're looking at different muscles. But, you know, you're going down on a squat. That is the eccentric part of the squat movement. And then at the bottom, you can hold, you know, that's something you were talking about. Something you do a lot is the, is the tempo stuff. You know, you got to, you got to count, uh, going down. Maybe you pause at the bottom, pausing at the bottom, I'll, you know, this focus. I'll, I'll be honest with you. The whole new army physical fitness test should all be tempo. Yeah. And here's why you show me one beginner that doesn't need a tempo to start for two years. Any professional is going to say, go back and tempo it before you load it. Here's one thing about the eccentric, right? It's literal and it's figurative. And the transfer that you get from training out into real life is, is bigger. Now, let's slow it down. Let's, let, let's use a metaphor for interpretation for training effect, right? You take anything in your life, a goal that you want to achieve. When you slow it down and you set the foundation, right? Let's say you go to join the army and you go to basic training and you make sure you are – like you just did the, you put the utmost effort into the basics, probably going to be one of the best soldiers. Right. Just the basics. You're not going to do above and beyond. Just hit the basics really hard. Don't yeah. be, like, that's it. When it's time to be loud, be loud. When it's time to be quiet, be quiet. Relationship, new chick. You rush into it. Ah, you take your time and you do the right things and you make a good foundation when you control the negatives and you try and adapt to them. It makes the positives way more powerful. I think that's the best way to explain eccentric in any form. The negatives. I mean, it's the hardest part. Um, it's the most beneficial part. Um, so first thing too, it's first priority. Yeah. But everybody's different too though. So some people need to do more ISO. Some need to do more concentric. So I think you, you just got to meet somebody and see where they're at. Yeah. So, yeah, I do personally think that most people don't focus on eccentric, especially people newer to training, especially people who want to look good in the gym. They want to get weight up real quick. Though I see them kind of drop and take the bench press, drop the weight on their chest, try to push it up real quick. Okay, that's just concentric, right? The yeah. chest coming this way, shortening of the of the pecs. So focus on the eccentric, the coming down, the tension there. You're gonna get a lot more muscle tear. You're gonna get a lot more growth. You know, uh, upon your recovery. A lot more gains. And yeah. then isometric, I think, is a great way to... Like, 
but why? Wait, right, right. So you do it and you get gains, right? But why? Why do we? More make, right. Yeah. It, it it's like I think that's what we need to talk a little bit more. You yeah. know, it's like eccentric. Why? Breaking down more. There's more stress. You know, it's 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 like you know you pick up a car real quick. That's one thing. Pick up a car, hold it for ten seconds, and then lower it for ten seconds. More stress. It's a yeah. It's time, a time and space. We always talk about you know we will see a lot of concepts in the body. Time and space. So, you know, uh, as far as space goes, you can think of that as resistance, and then time under that tension. So, you know, more weight under yeah. longer duration. Uh, meat, meathead movie, pumping iron, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Isn't it right? Yeah. I didn't want to assume. Do you remember when Franco Colombo? Moves the car for his family in Italy. I, it's it's vague, but okay. So he moves the whole car with his, like he just pushes it or something. He was at one point, one of the strongest men in the world. Yeah. So in Italy, the streets are real small. It's Europe, you know. And there's a little video of him moving his dad's car for him, getting it out of the way, and he lifts it up with two towels after Sunday dinner. He's got slacks on, tucked in shirt, picks it up, and I'm just like, okay, well, like. Anybody just picked it up once with a group of people would just drop it. And it's like, that's exactly what I was thinking about, like the correlation. Like pull isn't, a that, Columbo. isn't that insane how far the human body can go? You know, you, you got kids struggling to pick up a bar, and then you got a guy who can lift a car. <laughs> you know, who's like, little, who's little, but just yeah. never thought. He's not a tall guy, right? He is five. Uh, Franco Colombo is five foot six, 187 pounds when he's stacked. Uh, that's crazy. And stacked. Because he was under 200 for Mr. Olympia. He was the under 200 Olympia. And then Arnold was the 200 and over Olympia at the time. So, yeah, he's 5'5". Five, five. Lou Ferrigno was 6'5". I didn't know he was that big. I guess that's why he played the Hulk. That's freaking Everybody knows it. Franco Colombo is, is who pushed Arnold. Arnold didn't push Franco. Interesting. Yeah, when you dude, when you watch them – Franco was legit strong. He was a professional boxer before bodybuilding. He did boxing first, then he did bodybuilding, then he became a strong man, then he became a chiropractor. (laughs) That's a dynamic guy right there. He his diploma as a chiropractor. Uh, That's crazy. He admitted it. (laughs) And then all the chiropractors around him, supposedly, were like, they knew he was better about the body anyway. So it's like, what are you going to do? Get out of here, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I'd show up. I'd probably show up. And then he snapped my neck off. <laughs> Could you imagine having to do that strong, manipulate your neck? I'd be – no, I'd be pretty nervous, actually. We rabbit hold again. Yeah, we did it. We did it. Eccentric, isometric, concentric phases, three phases. Eccentric phase, you are tearing uh, muscle spindle fibers. It's actinomycin, cross-bridge connections, ripping apart, you know. Um Isometric, you want to talk about that next or you want to keep talking about eccentric? Let's go over isometric. I think that'll be a good one for a lot of people. Yeah, we'll go back and, and how they're all together. Yeah. So isometric, amortization, it's where that transfer of energy, you're going down, you're here. Now the force has to go the other direction. Right. So iso is huge because if you can't transfer the absorption you can't put it out. 
or performance. For you guys who don't know, ISO means same. So when you have an isometric contraction, that means that the muscle is under tension, but it's not moving like a plank. Like a plank, your muscles are under tension, but there's no, that muscle is not lengthening or shortening uh, necessarily. It I, is pretty much I same. Love ISO. I love ISO for beginners. Yeah. I can wring a rag out. I can make a woman or a male stand up with a dumbbell, kettlebell, or a barbell, sandbag, anything, and I can show them how to stand there and create tension with it isometrically. And I, you know, it's boring, but like some people are like, wow, this feels really good. Yeah. I love it. I think with beginners, you can, I call it wringing out the rag where you're just keep getting that juice out. It's like, I oh, get a little bit more. Yeah. Breathe and you get a little bit more. Now you're understanding breathing and stringent abdominal core inside out. There's a little bit more conscious awareness of sequencing and stacking. So um, isometric holds for beginners, basic you're, you're adding on volume. Yeah. And you don't have to rep it out and you don't have to think about how much weight's on there. Do you feel more? Do you feel more tension? Good. Keep doing that. Right. Why did you think that time you felt as much as you could? No, you were wrong. Keep going. Bruce Lee was a big, uh, big advocate of isometric training, by the way. Yeah. It's a fun fact. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed that. He did a lot of tension under, you know, uh, under, not moving, I guess, is the, is the way to put it. A lot of planking, a lot of uh, maybe holding a leg out to the side, right? Because he's into kicking, so maybe he's holding his leg up and just keeping it there. A lot of uh, tension created, a lot of nervous system activation. That's a great way to break, break plateau. So what, what's your opinion on isometric training, and and why do you like to implement it? I think it's uh, – I mean, one, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be the most miserable. Yeah. So if, you, if you're doing ISO, you better psych up. And if you're expecting to be comfortable in ISO, don't be. You're trying to create tension. Listen to those words. You're trying to create tension. Under time, usually, right? So, again, going back to that concept, we are muscular endurance. We are creators of tension. Yeah. So we can understand how to react to it. Right? And so you're trying to create tension. It's going to be miserable. Very beneficial. Tension is stress, by the way. For you guys listening, I, I have not put that together, but I think that's a. Well, here, I'll use my hand. Watch. This is majority of people. Just tell me to squeeze my fist. Squeeze your fist. Right? This is, this is Americans, right? Now, a different person will. It moved. Look, it changed its form from right. here. Now, I could say that's all I got. More, it, it trickles down more towards your center. There's so, just that alone. But we're not educated. We're not taught that. We're not uh, exposed to it. Yeah. That is, yeah, that's isometric too, guys. Uh, why can't I figure that? I'm always going off to the no, right, this, but, this is great. I think this is great content. And I don't care if anybody watching doesn't like it, but I think there's going to be a couple people that will realize this. And that's all that matters. Yeah, but, Daniel. Okay, yeah. I'm going to talk about something. And this is why isometric, right? And this is why I say two-year training age protocol. Keep that arm up. Squeeze your fist. Breathe out. Squeeze your fist more. Breathe out. Now, specifically, squeeze more with your ring finger. Specifically, breathe out and squeeze more with your index finger. Now, this one's going to be different. 
specifically breathe out and squeeze that pinky in as much as you can. Now you should feel your lat. That's crazy. That's more every time. Now check this out. You're on, you're getting, now relax, relax. Now, you know how all these fucking trainers and IG people will post all this happy Gilmore bullshit and say, you gotta be fucking mindful. That's fucking mindful right there. That's mindful. That's meditation. You are trying to get conscious aware that when this pinky comes in more, it trickles this elbow in, which turns on your lat, which attaches to your ass at the iliac crest. You don't understand that relationship. You can't understand full range of motion sequencing. Now, you skip that step and you start to load it. You loaded it out of sequence. This is why it takes two years. You you talked in a trainer aspect. You talked about uh, progress and in, in, in uh, trying to relax people. You talk about progressive muscular relaxation. You just did it in reverse. Progressive muscular contraction. I wonder if that's actually a term. Ooh, I actually don't know. But it's great you just said that. Yeah. Both. And here's why. All muscles have that reciprocal relationship. If the bicep is short, the tricep is long. Yeah. We walk in with reciprocal inhibition. Where yeah. if, if my right arm is forward, the right pack, shoulder on, long, short, long, short opposite down in angles though if you're not conscious of these things which takes time you missed this it's like driving if i drive to texas to your house right now and then i keep doing it i'm gonna get better at the routes they're gonna get crispier the turns everything this is i this is taken for granted with human body movement biomechanics chemistry all of it it all matters though so i think isometric is very like i mean think about it, you're you're isolating well think about this you got a dumbbell, again, back to the bicep. You're curling up right here. You're at a point of tension to where you can't move anymore. That's isometric. You're at an isometric point of tension here. Now, if you think about that progressive muscular contraction concept you were talking about, maybe you can push past that plateau. That kind of goes into that isometric training one I'm talking about, breaking through strength plateaus. So you've been here before. Maybe you hold a, a dumbbell under this tension, and you know what that feels like. And now – your muscle is used to holding that tension right there under time. So, you know, from that, you can go into more of a concentric contraction. You're going to be able to break through that plateau and you can go into that progressive muscular contraction and generate more force. You know, yeah. you're kind of training that pathway, that neural pathway. Like you said, I like the, how you said driving the route home, you're building a neural pathway there to train your body. That, that, that's mind muscle connection. With ISO, I love ISO, but it's miserable. It's so miserable. Yeah. It's a tough one. And then we get get into the one that everybody knows, which is concentric. You know, that's the one that everybody focuses on. Um, you know, with a, with a lot of things, you know, like power type movements, that is a lot of that's where you're generating that force. That's concentric contractions, right? That explosiveness. That is what you focus on whenever we're talking about eccentric contractions. But if you know how to do the other two, you can generate a lot more force. And what this book talks about is Golgi tendon organs, the stretch shortening oh. cycle. Yeah, um, you know all, all all those concepts to talk about why eccentric training and why isometric training funnel into concentric uh, explosiveness, eccentric uh, concentric strength. So, you know, concentric strength—that's the one everybody knows. You got to you jump in the air. That's a big concentric 
contraction, but you prep for that. Maybe with an eccentric, you go down and and you capitalize. There's a sh- uh, short a- amortization phase, like you said, and then a small isometric generate that force and turning that potential energy and going into the concentric, right? That goes back to the stretch shortening cycle, which enhances performance through storage of elastic energy during the eccentric phase and activation of the stretch reflex. I wrote that down, by the way. So I would hit that. No, I, 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 without a doubt. It's a, and I, look, here's a good one. Like you, you get a platform we're talking about, you know, triphasic training with eccentric, isometric, and concentric phases. I, when I first started reading this book, right, I made a huge mistake. I worked on eccentric and ISO too much. And then I took away what I was trying to benefit from to concentric. Right. These are the mistakes thinking like, all right, the more I work on uh, absorption and transfer, and then if you don't work on the actual output transfer, it's not going to be there. Right. So that's huge. You can think working on it more and more and more, but if you don't actually apply it, for what the intention is and the goal, then it takes away the purpose of doing it. Yeah. So I've done that. I've worked eccentric and ISO too much thinking it was going to have a, a more. It's not. And that's where, well, like, you know, less is more. You need all three. Yeah. You need all three. You know, going into my ideas on concentric, you got a, you got the rate of force development, right? The, uh, how fast you can generate force. So with concentric, you know, I think that goes a lot into like power type activities. So like, you know, the power clean, which is pretty good at uh, power snatch. You know, Tom's done demonstrations for me because he's real good at those power type. A lot of that is uh, concentric force. Now, again, I was talking about how the other two prep for that. But, you know, concentric is very important for that kind of stuff. And then you can also focus on strength through slow controlled movements through a concentric force. But, uh, yeah, concentric is really good for power type movements, that explosiveness. And that's kind of where the focus is on that. Concentric's good because it's a representation of ability. Yeah. You know, are you able to do this? You're doing it, you know? And when someone, you know, usually if you get to the concentric phase and you keep doing whatever that is, you're in accumulation of, you know, that's mobility. That's mobility. How how do you get someone that doesn't move? You know, how do you, there's there's someone not moving. Get them moving more. You know, right? That's it. Sorry, I'm just so basic and simple with shit. You get dumb it down. And, it's the way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that being said, good book, and uh, and I think uh, I would I would recommend it to a lot of uh, strength and conditioning coaches, a lot of trainers. It's a good uh, good breakdown of this stuff. I'm going to make a recommendation. You should write this down maybe if you want to. Um, like if you're going to try something out with this, there's such an easy way to try something out, right? Do two weeks eccentric, two weeks isometric, two weeks concentric. And then before those six weeks, you know, zero week and then the test week, get three rep maxes on it, right? Just concentric ones, no tempo. That's it. Add in a pick, pick like three second, five second, six second down, you know, working on the down phase, right? And same thing for ISO three second, five second, 10 second, 20 second, 30 second. Two weeks is done. Now you're going to concentric, have a tempo with it, 
then on your test week, test it out. It's the easiest way to do it. And even if you hate what you chose to do, it, it, it changes it up quick with the focuses. So yeah. I think that's been the best and easiest approach. Three-week and six-week uh, blocks. Yeah. And they're, that, that's both tri-facing. So. Yeah. See, see if it helps you guys. I like that. So, uh, so yeah, to double down on what Tom's saying, focus on the eccentric for two weeks, have a tempo, slow controlled movements down, and then you can come up, right? So you're really focusing on that downward, the lengthening of the muscle. Try that for two weeks. Focus on planking type maneuvers. Like maybe you pause at the bottom. Maybe you do a squat, pause at the bottom, then come up. And then focus on things like, uh, you know, the concentric phase where, you know, you can come up slow. You can do it that way. Or you can focus on how quick you can come up if you're trying to focus more on power, explosiveness. Depends on what your focus is, but. I like that. No, that's a, that's a great thing. And, and I'm sorry, I'll leave it at this. You know what's funny? I'll post it. I'll post it. I actually start another two week, two week, two week block next Monday with the front squat three by three tempo. So I will post it. You guys, I will update you guys on my two week eccentric phase, which is going to start next Monday. And I'll, I'll put it out there. I'll put tri basic training, eccentric phase, week one, week two, ISO week one, ISO week two. So if you guys take a look at that, Maybe it'll uh, broaden some perspective of what we talked about here. Yeah, I like well, that. Okay. Yeah. Anything else you want to leave uh, leave everybody with? Dude, yeah, you are amazing. You kick ass. You rock. Um, you're, dude. You're Thanks. way better than I am in this industry. I'm, you know, I have a little bit more experience, but I've been out longer. Um, but uh, guys, outside looking in, you need a you need a basic training program. You need if you're going to if you're going to option forty. Right, you're going 18 series. You're going to take a long walk. You're going to join the National Guard, even if you just want to get in shape. Get a program after, off off of Daniel over here. Find someone that knows the movements. You can talk to us directly. If you don't have some type of, you know, communication with someone that's telling you what to do for your paths for your goals, probably not the best thing in the world. So, um, yeah, that's it. I love your programs, man. And then I have other people following your programs. Where I just kind of overlook them in the gym, and it's been so beneficial. Definitely, so cool. I think we should do this again uh, next year. Read it again, put a bunch of people through it, just talk about it again. Yeah, so I love this. This is great. Thank you. It's great. Now, thank you for coming on, Tom. You, you are. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate that. Really, it means a lot because uh, you're somebody who I think is uh, awesome. I think you're a badass, and uh, and you're doing great things as well. So I'm I'm glad to see you succeeding, and and that you're pulling through tough times. And really do appreciate you coming on again. Uh, you, you're awesome. So we're going to keep working together, and uh, and we're going to keep persevering. So thanks for coming on, and uh, and for you guys listening. Hope you guys have a great day, and take care.